Everyone in English media has pretty much been promoting this agenda. Mandatory masks, mandatory vaccination, vaccine passports, supporting the lockdown. Supporting That's a clip from one of David Freiheit's massively popular YouTube videos. He uploaded it on the Thanksgiving weekend, and it tells you pretty much most of what you need to know about what this Montreal lawyer turned video talk show host talks about with his 343,000 subscribers. Freiheit is against a lot of the mandatory COVID vaccine passport rules. He's against vaccinating kids under 12 and against the extended COVID lockdowns. He's called Ontario Premier Doug Ford a fascist. He despises Justin Trudeau, and he interviews famous right-wing commentators, including Robert Barnes and Alex Jones. Yes, that Alex Jones, the American talk show host and alt-right conspiracy theorist who's been banned from Facebook, among other platforms. Recently, you might have seen David Freiheit's purple campaign signs around Montreal's Westmount and NDG area. It was Freiheit's growing outrage over how Canada has handled the COVID crisis and its impact on people's freedoms that encouraged him to enter politics. He ran for the People's Party of Canada in the recent federal election. He ran against the Liberal Foreign Minister, Mark Garneau, and you can guess how lopsided the results were. Freiheit admits that he was maybe a little delusional for hoping he would win, but he remains encouraged by the growing popularity of the People's Party's message. Three weeks ago, Freiheit tripled the success of his party in his riding from the previous election in 2019. And just like happened in the rest of the country when 800,000 plus Canadians voted for the People's Party, even though they didn't win any seats. It still grew. And I think it's because enough people who are paying attention and have now had the opportunity to pay attention fully appreciate that there's only one party in Canada that is actual opposition to the powers of the Conservatives, Liberals, and NDP, and even the Bloc, and even the Green Party. I mean, they're all in lockstep on these issues of disregarding constitutional rights, full-blown COVID panic um, at, at the expense of destroying you know, both the economy, the fabric, and the health of the nation. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, October 12, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. David Freiheit comes from a well-known Montreal family. He attended a Jewish day school for a while, and both the Jewish Y and Pripstein summer camp. And he was a lawyer until he left his practice several years ago and started making YouTube videos full-time, where he goes by the name of Viva Fry, Fry meaning freedom. With the Canadian election now three weeks behind us, Freiheit is filling out all the required paperwork he has to hand in to Elections Canada and winding up his campaign. And he's back to his day job, which is talking online. We'll speak to David Freiheit coming up about why he ran for the People's Party of Canada. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in the country right now. I'm Eitan Steinfeld in Thornhill, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Tuesday, October 12th, is the fifth anniversary of Leonard Cohen's death. And this is the day on the Jewish calendar of his site. So to mark the occasion, Montreal Rabbi Aubrey Glazer is holding an online event together with other Cohen experts where they'll unpack the poetry and mysticism of the Canadian icon's songbook. Rabbi Glazer wrote a book himself about Leonard Cohen, and he'll be joined by a couple of other singers and Cohen experts, including one of the founders of the Canadian Jewish band Jaffa Road, Aaron Lightstone. So today's event is free. It starts at 8 Eastern time and the link is in our show notes. 
The People's Party of Canada campaigned on lifting many COVID-19 public health restrictions, and that included mask wearing. They supported boosting freedom of speech. They wanted to end official multiculturalism and to cut immigration while dealing with domestic problems here in Canada first. There's lots of things on the platform. You can read it on their website. Their platform doesn't mention Israel or anti-Semitism, but it uses the word globalist when describing Canada's foreign policy. And that word does have anti-Semitic connotations. Aside from the official platform, there is also an unsavory side to some of the party's supporters. And we've reported on this about the ties of this party with neo-Nazis and white supremacists and with people who wear yellow stars at protest marches against COVID vaccines and compare themselves to Holocaust victims. One party official has been charged with throwing gravel at the prime minister. Against all this backdrop, we're welcoming David Freiheit, who says he is double vaccinated. He joins me from his home studio in Montreal. I was listening to, you know, one of your recent podcasts uh, about the experience and you use the word uh, journey. You're going on a journey and that's why you uh, put your name in it, well, for why you it, ran. The, a journey is a good way to describe it because it is a process and it was a process, you know, spiritually before making the decision and then bureaucratically after having made the decision. I, I swear to you, I never wanted to run for politics. I may never do it again. We'll just see what the world has in store for us. But I, I never wanted to do it. You don't leave the practice of law, the, the, what I call the toxic environment of the practice of law, to then jump into the toxic environments of politics. But over the last two years, seeing where Canada has gone, and it's not a direction I, I like or want to see Canada going, I, you know, spiritually, it was the evolution to make the decision. You came in in sixth place in your riding with 1,400 votes, give or take. I don't know how it is since they've settled. 1,498 votes. There you go. <laughs> not, that I, not that I'm counting and a little yes, disappointed. Yes, you are. <laughs> but, but tell us how that changed from the party's uh, 2019 uh, results in your writing where another person ran. It was, it was a 300% increase, but I don't... I, see, I'm, call me spoiled or maybe I had unreasonable expectations. I, I wasn't happy with it. I did think... I, on the one hand, I thought I could make more of an impact and I thought the... Let's call it the guerrilla campaigning, you know, doing podcasts, doing uh, stuff that, you know, the, the people already established don't do. I thought it would have more of an impact. Uh, I, you realize after having run the run the race that you I reached one person at a time and maybe, you know, a handful at a time. And it was it was meaningful and it was impactful. And you can convince and change the minds of one person at a time. But then you just realize, like, once you have the media and you reach swaths of people at a time, you're not fighting uh, a battle with the same weapons. And so I had to go convince people one person at a time. And then, you know, mainstream media will, I'll say brainwash because that's the way I believe it is. They will go and run stories and just reach the entire city to go vote liberal 53% like they did again in Westmount. So, but, you know, uh, the party nationwide, uh, threefold increase. I had a 300% increase in our riding and like people do say, that's 1,500 people in Westmount who heard the message, agreed with the message, and placed enough confidence in me to vote for me. We'll just have to hope that we can do better the next time. Uh, what do you make of the rising uh, support, 800,000 votes for the People's Party of Canada? And I think it's because enough people who are paying attention and have now had the opportunity to pay attention fully appreciate that there's only one party in Canada that is actual opposition to the powers of the Conservatives, Liberals, and NDP, and even the Bloc, and even the Green Party. I mean, they're all in lockstep on these issues of 
disregarding constitutional rights, full-blown COVID panic um, at, at the expense of destroying you know, both the economy, the fabric, and the health of the nation. They're in lockstep on all of this. Um, what do you make of, first of all, do you agree that the tone of this election and, and the country at the moment is a lot angrier and scarier than it has been in the last few elections. And, yeah, yeah. and what do you make of that change? I mean, you're riding that wave, right? So, well, I, I, I definitely the tone is is uh, angrier. The, I'll just say this flat out: you can say what you want, you know, with limited exceptions. Violence is where I have a hard line being drawn, without exception. So, the, no throwing gravel, no smashing eggs. Period. You know, Bernier got got egged, and I think it, there's n- n- unacceptable. Period. Full stop. No but. As far as the rhetoric goes, it's an election. It's it's heated, and I'm going to say this. You know, w- when people say the, the the sentiment and the rhetoric is heated, when you have a prime minister coming out on a podium and stumping his fist down, saying those people are putting us all at risk, uh, referring to anyone who opposes masks or vaccine passports as misogynists or racists. I mean. You have the, the, the highest level of, of, of political power in the country using that language. Uh, that's where it starts. That's not where it ends. Um, I'm sure you had people push back and say, what are you doing? You're a Jewish guy. There's a lot of controversy about this party. How did you, how did you respond to them? So the funny thing is, um, I, I am, I don't, I'm not vocal about being Jewish, not out of shame or anything. I don't want people thinking that my religious identity shapes what I would uh, put out in terms of political message. Uh, I did not get that type of pushback. What I did get was the standard, oh, that's an extremist party of uh, racists and, and anti-immigrants. And I was like, well, whenever I got that, I didn't say, well, I'm Jewish and therefore that can't be true because that's a bad argument. What I did just say is, if you think that, go look at the roster of candidates and come to your own conclusion. Um, and then I also say, you, you don't even know what the policies are to come to that conclusion. To say that the party's racist or xenophobic or whatever because it wants to curb immigration so that it can deal and properly deal with Canadian issues, you're presupposing that Canadians are all white Catholic males. I mean, you're making racist presuppositions to come to that conclusion. Um, We have to talk about some of the characters who are in the People's Party of Canada, such as the fellow who was charged in London, who was the party um, who was charged with throwing gravel, gravel. and he has neo-Nazi you know, leanings on social media from from what I was made aware of. Well, okay, I I don't know about this individual social media past. Uh, I know that they do a thorough social media check when you apply for, uh, you know, when you apply to be the the candidate in a riding. Let me say, if this is the new standard that you're going to hold an entire party and close to a million people hostage by the few who are, uh, there are criminals in the world. And of a million eight hundred thousand people, and of three hundred thirty-eight candidates, you might get some bad apples. If the if the new standard now is to judge the entire party as though the exception is the rule, well, then the entire Liberal Party are corrupt and unethical. Uh, fill in the blanks. Let's unpack this issue a little bit because I have watched your posts on social media where you definitely go after people who use the Holocaust denial um, trope uh, in their social media. I, I don't support Holocaust denial. Full stop. Uh, so that's one thing. Let's get that clear. And, you know, so there's no misunderstanding. Does that mean I think people should be legally prohibited from uh, engaging in certain discussion? That's a very big secondary issue. I don't, I think people 
should be free to discuss things to the extent it's not you know specific incitement of violence. Where I where I take issue with the comparisons are, on the one hand, you know sometimes they are insensitive, sometimes they are done on both ends just to shut discussion down, and they don't lead anywhere productive. And generally speaking, also they are used to to reflexively demonize anybody who uh, is espousing an opposing view by calling them you know the N word, which on YouTube we have to say Yahtzee because you can't say the N word anymore. But um, there's an issue. I have issues with people using the analogies too flippantly on both ends of the spectrum. It's not everything that is tantamount to uh, 1930s Germany. Talk to me about anti-vaxxers and the use of the yellow star. Oh, how do you do you accept those? Because I, again, I freedom of speech, right? But still, no, no, for sure. And, and when I go to when I go to the protests, I see people doing. I see people holding up signs comparing uh, Legault to Hitler. I see people with the Jewish stars to symbolize what they feel to be, uh, you know, similar discriminatory practices today. So I, I don't like it. Uh, it's not the way I promote the message. I, I will, unfortunately and unpopularly, defend their right to do it. Um, these vaccine passport uh, rules are purely discriminatory, and they're purely arbitrary, and they're purely unscientific, and they are causing the same social divisions that we have seen historically. And the idea now that we've gone, you're an anti-vaxxer if you don't want to vaccinate your 12-year-old, um, uh, we're again, we're using that term the way we're using uh, the big lie, vaccine deniers. We're using it to discredit people so that we don't have to address their actual uh, legitimate opinions. I should ask how old your kids are. Uh, they are 12, 8 and 5. And now under and now the government is talking about compelling vaccinate. And this it's not compelling. They're just going to deprive you of your civil rights. And they're talking about doing this now on children as young as five for a demographic that has a 99.9973 survival of infection rate. There were 15 deaths in Canada of under 19 of 300,000 infected. That's 0.00005% fatality rate, less than the flu. And now they're going to tell, the government's going to tell me that my kids are going to have a compromised childhood, that they won't be able to be normal children unless they get double vaccinated uh, with a new vaccine for a virus that poses virtually no risk to them. Uh, and th if that makes someone an anti-vaxxer, anti we are abusing language for political purposes. I want to just put a couple of things which David said in context. He said that when people accuse the party of being racist and xenophobic, they should go check out the candidates who ran. It must be said that most of the candidates were white. He is also correct that Justin Trudeau was found to have violated political ethics standards twice. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia, integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Don't forget, you can be on the CJN Daily if you win the contest that's on now. It's to mark our 100th show that's coming up soon at the end of the month. So write to me and tell me why you've got a good story or nominate someone else to be on the show. My email is ebessner at thecjn.ca. And we'll close this episode with a sneak peek from someone you'll soon meet on the podcast this week. He's a Canadian teenager, and he's invented the world's first and only free daily prayer book app for Apple Watches. It's just been downloaded once in, like, Uganda, Austria, Malaysia, Morocco, Mexico, Singapore, Switzerland, Belgium, Turkey. Mm -hmm.